Nowhere to run, ain't got nowhere to go. Have you ever felt that way? Have you felt that way deep down within your heart? Uh, sometimes those around you have uh, realized it, and then there's times where you just feel that personally and you keep that close uh, to yourself, and uh, you feel stuck, you feel trapped. Um, I felt that way from time to time, and sometimes there's some things I could share with you, and there's some that I can't share with you. Uh, one that I can share with you was, uh, took place really uh, February 5th, 2018, uh, the day after Super Bowl 52. <laughs> the texts, the Facebook posts, the face-to-face -face conversations uh, that were really taunt. Uh, just uh, really made me, in a sense, feel trapped, made me feel stuck, uh, nowhere to run. I kind of tried to stay hidden for a couple days so that people couldn't pick on me. I don't, I don't know why they would want to pick on me about that, but they did. Uh, you, you know, and, uh, and even leading up to that, there was the pressure to, in a sense, conform. Uh, there was this pressure that... Uh, you know, you're being greedy, you know, New England's won five, you don't need any more, and, uh, you know, and, uh, and then some of the things, uh, uh, the spiritual condition, especially when we got up to the Super Bowl of the, of the Eagles and where they were at, it just, it just, got, just got overbearing, and, uh, you know, I, I just felt like I, I needed to conform. I, I would go places, and people would just, again, uh, just pick on me. It was very sad. I know you feel very sad about that. But, but I will say, you know, through all of this, I, I still have felt uh, this way about it. Hey, everyone, I'm going to keep this brief, but it needs to be said. There will never be equality in the NFL as long as Tom Brady is playing. I'm sorry. You're just not going to be equal to us until he retires. And anyone that knows me knows that I am all for equality of all kinds. But when it comes to this, we need one more trophy. And a lot of people think, oh, New England fans are so greedy. Do you realize we don't even have a Super Bowl title for every state in our region? There are six states in New England. We got five titles. How is that fair to leave one out? It's not. That's why I started this movement, and I hope you'll get behind it. It's called No State Left Behind. Six for the six. For a limited time, for $14.99, you can get a T-shirt. This is the men's shirt. So click on my website, click on the shirt, and join the movement. No, I don't have the shirt on. <laughs> Everybody gets up and walks out. <laughs> but you know, the pressure, I tell you, the pressure to conform, the pressure to, to back off, uh, especially as people were starting to post all these quotes about the Eagles, uh, you know, uh, they love Jesus, that's wonderful, you know, they're getting baptized, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christ follower myself, and I'm a pastor, and, and it was just almost... It was just, it's just really hard not to, not to conform and to kind of jump ship and get on that bandwagon. I mean, you know, you, you've probably seen some of these things. This is, you know, the Eagles, and they're champions now. And I can only give uh, the praise to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for giving me this opportunity. I mean, glory to God, first and foremost. We wouldn't be here without him. Unbelievable. All glory to God.
How important is it for you to use your platform to glorify God? Yeah, I mean, it's huge. Um, our number one goal on this earth is to make disciples. Uh, that's the only job that we are pretty much, we want to do. Um, so faith in football this Sunday is huge. It's a platform that we have to draw people to the word, uh, to Jesus. Uh, it's something that we don't take for granted by any means. Uh, it's obviously responsibility, but we love that. And the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. Pretty cool stuff, but you can see why as a pastor, you know, I'm in this, like, conform, 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 you know, get in line, you know, don't be like that, you know, kind of forget that. But, you know, this week the new schedule came out, and so I know that just in a few months, it's that feeling is going to be six rings, six ring for six states, and, and it's going to be there, and I'm going to feel that, you know, there's that pressure, and, you know, and I, I'm not even allowed to, to smile when they win, because, you know, that's not nice, and, and you, you know, and, and then I can't even use the word, I'll say it real, dynasty, I can't even use that word. And so, so I feel all that kind of pressure just to, just to give in, and I'm so far away and all of that that, you know, again, this, this guy just uh, expresses my feelings so much. The signs were all there, and I just ignored them. You know, the anxiety, the mood swings, the trouble sleeping. It started to affect my marriage. I mean, I just couldn't shut it off. I just couldn't get the thought out of my head that we should have at least six Super Bowls with Brady. I mean, the helmet catch with the Giants. I mean, the perfect season gone like that. Wes Welker missing that pass. And then there were all the years that we almost got there and we should have got there. If you're someone who can't stop thinking about how many Super Bowl championships the Patriots should have won, now there's help with Dynasty. Dynasty worked for me. I'm learning to live with it. So what, Manning, yeah, he should have got sacked. We all knew that, and that ball shouldn't have stuck to that helmet. But we did go 18 and 1. It's almost perfection. Don't take Dynasty if you follow teams other than the Patriots. Dynasty can have severe side effects if you follow teams like the Bills, Jets, Eagles, Lions, and Browns. Taking Dynasty while following these teams might cause a false sense of euphoria that will wear off shortly after your top five draft pick selection. Dynasty. Because if you can't be perfect, being pretty is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Oh, boy. Yeah, right. <laughs> so seriously, that, that's pretty silly. But what, what do you do when you have the pressure to conform? How do, how do you handle that? What, what happens when the, the pressure never lets up? You feel trapped. The environment wants you to stand back and, in a sense, blend in. How do, you, how do you navigate that kind of a world? Well, we're just getting into this series, Born in the USA, and it's a story of the life and times of Daniel. And uh, Daniel lives in a, in a world where he's trapped, and he lives in a world where they're trying to get him to conform to, to a different way of, of thinking, being everything. 
And yet somehow, yet somehow, he's able to navigate that world. He's able to, uh, you know, stand out in that world. And he's able to, to, to do that. And it's amazing. He starts uh, 12 to 15 years old, and, and we know he finishes out somewhere in his mid-80s. And every step of the way, for every stage and age of life, he seems to be able to, 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 be able to stand up underneath that and be able to walk through that. You see, he has something to offer to each one of us. Uh, no matter who we are, because we have those moments where we feel that pressure to conform to something that doesn't reflect who we are, uh, doesn't reflect who we are if we're a Christ follower, and, and it's, just, it's just heavy, and it's huge. Yet somehow, Daniel is able to navigate that and is actually able not just to survive that, but he actually thrives in that. And so, again, we have something we can learn from Daniel as we look through this. Now, the first two weeks, uh, we looked at the whole connection between Born in the USA and Bruce Springsteen's song and all of that. So you can go online and uh, listen to that. As it's already said, if you want to catch up with that, it's on Apple uh, Podcasts. It's also on SoundCloud, or you can watch it from the, right from the uh, website. But uh, so h- how, do we, how do we take those steps? How do we, in a sense, stand out? And for, for, for Daniel, it was really about growth. He continues to grow as a person. The person he is at 15 is probably different than the person he is at 18. The person he's at 18 or at 20 is different than he's the person at 18. And it goes on and goes on and goes on. The, the way he's able to stand up under the pressure of being something that uh, God had not called him to be, that didn't reflect who he is, is this, is that he realized he needed to grow, he needed to stay at it. And for us, as we think about this, it's, it's in the idea of transforming. If, if we're going to transform, it helps us uh, stick away from conforming. Only when you and I are transforming will that get us out of what conforming got us into or gets you into. You see, there's no neutral place. It's not like Daniel arrived at some level in life and he just, he just stops. He continues on. He's just not transformed so he doesn't conform. He's actually transforming. He's growing as a person. And if you and I want to be able to navigate the pressure to conform, uh, we have to continually transform. You can't have it. You can't coast. You can't get to some level, if you can say that, some, some place of uh, just status quo and, and not start to get sucked into, the, into, into conforming. Just just won't happen. And again, if we looked at Daniel's life, as we look at Daniel's life, we're going to see at every stage and age, he continues in that process. It wasn't like he got to be 35 and said, man, I, I've made it not 50, not 80, all the way through, we can see that he's growing and transforming so he doesn't get stuck conforming. And so we, we look at that and we try to figure that out because we feel the pressure. Uh, some pressure is silly. Some pressure is clothing. Some pressure is football, silly. But then there are these pressures that are significant and huge and have a a effect on the trajectory of our life. 
So let's uh, look at Daniel, Daniel chapter 1, verse 2. That's page 613 in that Bible you'll find around you. You also can look online. If you don't have a uh, personal copy of God's Word, we'd love you to take that Bible as a gift uh, from Seneca Community. You also can download a, a Bible app called YouVersion, and uh, it's a great tool for any phone, any phone type, any electronic device, and you can have that uh, Bible anywhere you go, different translations and such. So I'd encourage you to do that. So Daniel chapter 1, uh, verse 2, we're going to jump in. We've been kind of dancing around this the first couple weeks. Now we're going to get into the actual story. Again, Daniel is a part of 25% of the, uh, the population has been taken from Judah, the southern kingdom. It got horrendously wiped out, conquered, uh, this disaster. Daniel is not going to see his parents ever again. He's gone. He's, he's cream of the crop, the nobility, the upper class, but, but, but they take him. And now he's stuck in this place. And he has this idea, do I, do I you know, uh, stand back and blend in? What, what, what do I do? Do I uh, stand up and make lots of noise about who I am? And I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to conform. I'm not going to be a part of anything. Does he, you know, wear, you know, get a sign and pick it, you know, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Well, what does he do? And as we see his life, we really see that he, he stands out and he starts to live a life that's outstanding because of that. So chapter uh, 1, verse 2, we read this. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. And again, this is significant because they would bring these articles uh, to Babylon and stick them in their temple, and it was like a sign, we won. Uh, we've got your spiritual articles, whatever those are, and now they're in our temple because your God couldn't, could, couldn't protect you. So it was just kind of another, another slam. There, these he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylon and put them in the treasure house of his God. Then the king uh, ordered Ashpenzar, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Remember, these, these, guys, had had, these guys had lived life pretty well. They'd had things easy until the until Jerusalem was besieged and until it fell. So these were the, the people that uh, Nebuchadnezzar wants. He wants these young men. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. He was to indoctrinate them. He was to, to, to change them. Uh, they were to change his language, change the thinking process, change everything about them, even what they eat. The king assigns them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. This was good stuff. This was rich stuff. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. So for three years, they were in this, and they need to pass. And I don't know what, it's not said, but I don't know what would happen if you didn't learn the language, if you didn't get it. Oh, man, I can't remember that. What would happen? I think you'd be put to side. And maybe you'd become some kind of, uh, you know, not a servant, but, but a slave. So it wasn't good. So there was this pressure. I need to produce. I need to please the master. I need to, I need to adapt or, or, or life's going to even get worse for me. 
So, so how, does, how does Daniel do that? How does Daniel grow, transform without conforming? Uh, you know, how does he know what to say yes to, what to say no to? How does, how does he navigate that? I think one of the ways that he navigates that is with the idea of integrity. Uh, part of verse 8 says this, Daniel resolved not to defile himself. He resolved, he focused, he was intentional. He wasn't going to forget who he was. And he was going to work really hard. But he was going to have to choose his battles wisely. There were some things that he was going to, seemingly, it's like he goes along with. And then there's some things that he doesn't. Yet at the same time, as God looks at his life, he says, wow, uh, he lives an outstanding life because he stands out. He doesn't stand back and blend in. He doesn't stand up in a self-promoting, no, I'm not doing this, and, 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 get, and lose his life. But he resolves himself not to defile himself. There's integrity. The word integrity has the idea of, of our claimed values matching our lived values. Claimed values matching our lived values. And so... He's going to say, this is who I am. This is what I claim to be. Uh, we would say that Daniel must have grown up uh, in, a, in a family that really taught him what it meant to be a God follower, how, how to live that life, how to have an aligned heart with God. And that, that's an encouragement to us. Sometimes we wonder, what would happen if, if my 15-year-old got taken from my home? W would they have enough stuff inside their heart and inside their head that, that they would actually say, I don't want to be defiled, that, that they, would just, they wouldn't just throw their, their, their back to, to everything and just blend in. What would they do? Somehow Daniel knew that what he claimed, he lived. You and I have to ask, sometimes ask ourselves that. We're good at claiming values. We're not so good about living those values. I could uh, share, I didn't do invest. I couldn't remember who it was, but I had this uh, excerpt from a, from a celebrity. You would know the name, and I don't want to get caught up on all this. Celebrity talks about how they're living and what their life is all about, and, and sometimes Christ follows, go, ooh, that, uh, ugh, that's terrible. Uh, but the person actually is living it. That person actually has, claim, has integrity. Their claimed values are lived values. And then sometimes we put our life of a Christ follower, ourselves sometimes, and we say, if I put my life up against that person, maybe the expression of their life is just way out of alignment, but, but at least they're not claiming to live, to, to think one way, and then to li they live another way. See, there's a mismatch there. For Daniel, there was a strong sense of integrity, and it shows up in the fact he resolves not to defile himself. In Romans, we read this, don't conform yourself to the values of this world. Instead, let God transform you by complete change of how you think. Then you will be able to know the will of God. It starts in our mind, in our heart. It starts internally. And then we know the will of God, and that's not knowing something abstract, something just out there, but knowing the will of God because we know it by experience. We, in a sense, live the word of God. 
Most of us sometimes get worried when it comes to the will of God that it's the big decision. Should I do this? Should I take this job? Should I, whatever, whatever this thing. Should I marry this person? Should I go to this school? What should I do? And really, the will of God starts with some of the basic things. Living it, experiencing it. Do I, do I, do I spend time in my daily routine with God? That's the will of God. That, that's the will of God for every person that knows Christ as his Savior, that we spend time with him. So, so it doesn't take any great mystery. It's not any great whatever. It's, it's, it's right there in front of us. And for most of us, there are a lot of those things that are right there in front of us. And somehow, Daniel had integrity. What he claimed, he lived. And so when you and I are feeling the pressure to conform, it starts with some integrity. It starts with living what we claim to live by. And then again, it that starts to change the way we think. And then we know the will of God by experience. You see, Daniel did not forget who he was. He didn't, it was always before him. And it affected the way he functioned. So we have to say to ourselves, never forget who you are. If you're not a Christ follower, I'm not putting the weight of acting like one because you're not a Christ follower. But if you are a Christ follower, I let the whole weight of that on you because that's who you are, if that's who you are. You see, if you are that, you don't forget who you are, and then it shows up in the way you think and the way you interact with the world on the outside. Uh, you, you, your claimed values are actually lived values. Your business practices, the way you, the way you treat your family, the way, the way you interact with other people, it, it just, it just, it's there, it comes out, because you don't forget who you are. In Galatians, Paul reminds us, Christ's li life showed me how. He shows us how to live. That's why it's so important to periodically read through those first four books of the New Testament. We call them the Gospels, the good news, because you get to see how Jesus lived. So you see how he does it. He, he shows us how to live. He shows us how to value people, how to interact with people. It's, it's right there, right there for us to, to absorb, to see. So Christ's love, life shows me how to live and enables me to do it. It's not just like he shows it. Uh, Mike talked about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. God comes and joins our lives. You can't do this Christ-following life without God actually being a part of your life. You can't do it on your own. So he enables us to do it. Identify myself completely with him. I have all the, the stuff that says I'm a Christ follower. I wear the jacket. I you know, have the stickers on my car, whatever it may be. I, I identify myself completely with him. I have the mug. I have the T-shirt, whatever it may be. The life you see me living is not mine. Because, again, you're realizing who you are. It's not mine. It's his but is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me, that's inspiration, and gave himself for me. Inspiration and motivation 
to engage in this life. And again, as we said earlier, it's not something you do on your own. It's not something you have to do within your own strength. It's a partnership. It's a relationship. So when Daniel has the pressure to conform, he's able to stand up under it. He's able to navigate through it first and foremost because he has an integrity. He actually lives as he claims as his claims are in his life. He actually lives who he is. And because he's living who he is, he will not defile himself. He will not let himself be corrupted. And he has God with him, helping him navigate which, which of these speed bumps do I deal with and which ones aren't important. Because I think we've said this earlier, it's amazing. He, he you will see he, he gets concerned about what he's going to eat but he's not as concerned about getting his name changed. How, how, does, how does he choose one over the other? Why doesn't he choose both? Why doesn't he, you know, he's walking with God. And that's not to give him a way out. But again, as you watch the pattern of his life, you know, he had, he had to navigate the world that, that he lives in. Also, there's this idea of discipline. Daniel was disciplined. He said no. And... Uh, even when he would have an appetite or an ego for something, he would say no to it. Remember, he is now in the palace of Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, there are a lot of perks to being there if you tote the, the company line, if you blend in, if you stand back and blend in. You know, life could be pretty sweet for you. And somehow he's, he's disciplined. He, he doesn't go too far with it. He, 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 knows his, he knows his place. He knows, again, who he is. I don't know about you, but uh, th there were times that uh, when I just think I just have no discipline, and I came across this little clip this week, and this just uh, just broke my heart. I, I don't, I, you know, there's a guy who should have said no to that ice cream cone. Must be four or five uh, gallons of ice cream on his arm. I can't believe he can hold it. He's pretty muscular, I guess. But, uh, you, you know, uh, discipline comes down to the big things and the little things. Uh, are you able to say no? Uh, do, do you govern your appetites? Uh, do, you, do you let that stuff be fed? What, what do you do with that when you're thinking of discipline? You see, because Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and the wine. And, and he, he said, I'm going to say no to those things. Just because you can have something sometimes doesn't mean you should do it or have it. Uh, just because you can, uh, you know... Uh, exercise, you can buy something, you can, uh, uh, you know, say something, uh, be prominent, whatever it is. Just because you have those opportunities and you have that ability doesn't mean you should just say yes to, to everything. And, and Daniel knows that. Daniel, uh, Daniel stops back. He holds back. He, he's very disciplined with his life. And I, I, discipline can be tough. It can be hard to be disciplined and, and stick with it. But Daniel, because of who he is, his integrity, he lives what he claims, he's able to be more disciplined. And he's able to say no to, you know, the second helping of good, yummy, yummy stuff, you know, where I have joked before, and it's no joke, you know, don't put two half gallons of ice cream in our freezer because they'll get eaten. You can only have one half a gallon in there at a time because once, you know, oh, I'll go back and get a little bit more. Uh, but what about the other things that even have a more significant impact to our lives? 
Are we disciplined? In Romans, uh, Paul writes, don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life, not being disciplined. Throw yourself wholeheartedly and full time. Remember, you've been raised from the dead into God's ways of doing things. And so we say no to things, even things that uh, sometimes are, are very permissible. We're, we're disciplined. Uh, we're, we're holding the line, not because we're rules and regulation kinds of people, but we just know we've got to have discipline. When we don't have discipline, some other Proverbs talk about the principle that it's like being a city without a wall. And uh, we find ourselves just, just at the, at the, at the, just vulnerable to all these kinds of things. You see, Daniel knew how to control his ego and appetite. He knew how to do that, and it came, again, from that discipline. And if you and I are going to hold up under the pressure, the pressure to, to conform, uh, we have to be able to be disciplined when it comes to our ego and appetite. We see this happen very often in the sporting world. Some 18, 19-year-old gets some contract, you know, making five, 10, 20 million dollars, and, and they have a great skill in football or baseball, or whatever the, the sport is, basketball, and, and they don't have discipline. They have, they have physical discipline when it comes to the sport, but they don't have emotional discipline. And all of a sudden we hear them getting involved in all these kinds of crazy things. They're at the parties, no one says no to them. You know, they're, they're drinking too much, uh, you know, just partying too much, doing all these things. It's because they don't have any discipline. Their ego takes, they start to believe that they are a legend. And then sometimes we see these uh, uh, sports people just wash out after three years. And again, it's not that their ability has, has gone. It's just that they just can't handle their life. It's just too much. They just, they just don't know how to say no. Um, often we say, uh, often saying no makes your yes stronger. And that's a part of discipline. When you can say no to something. There are sometimes there are moments where I have to say no to some activity in my life because it makes the yes that's very important to me stronger in my life. Sometimes it's as simple as uh, staying up too late, watching an extra half an hour of TV. And I've said yes to getting up early and trying to start my day off with God. But if I, if I don't say no to that extra half an hour, that extra hour, then when it comes to the morning... It's just, it's just not, it's just not, I'm just not there. Even if I'm up, I'm just not all there. See, saying no previously in the evening made my yes the next morning stronger. You see, it's a, this idea of controlling our ego and controlling our appetite. Also, there's the idea here of courage. Uh, he had courage. He had strength. He, he, he didn't let fear run his life. Uh, it's, it's pretty amazing how he does that. He, he's not over the top with fear. Um, he, 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 he's able to navigate that. And we even see that in the second part of the third part of uh, verse 8 is where he asked the chief official for permission to, to, um, to, to, do, to not eat and not defile himself. And uh, that took an unbelievable amount of courage. What is the official going to say? Sometimes you and I, uh, the reason we don't uh, stand up underneath uh, the pressure to confirm, conform is because we just don't have the courage. We don't have the courage to, to stand out in that area. And so we, we, get, we get stuck. Um, 
in Exodus, we read, never follow the crowd in doing wrong. Don't be swayed in your testimony by the, major, by the mood of the majority. And I'm sure with Daniel, I'm sure there was lots of young guys, 15 to 18 years old, that were kind of just going along with the program. Um, you know, they, and, and, and he had the courage to ask and the courage to say no. I, I can just, you know, I, I could imagine them having this conversation in the dorm room or wherever they're staying, and, and some people are saying, but everybody's doing it. And, and Dana says, no, I'm not, I'm not going to be swayed by that. I'm going to have the courage to stand out in this area. I know occasionally when I would say those kinds of things to my father, uh, you know, everybody's doing it. I don't know where this line comes from. I almost Googled it, but I didn't have time. You know, we always say, I don't care if the king of England just says it's okay. I'm like, what do you mean the king of England? What, are you from the colonies or something? But, you know, I, I just don't know. You know, yeah, yeah, but he thought that it would be relevant to our conversation. Okay, okay, Dad, because the king of England does. Uh, okay, but, uh, you know, just going along with, with the flow. Read in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, stay true to what you believe. Be courageous, be strong. And when we think of being, having courage, we are willing to stand out. And uh, we're going to see in our next uh, idea they, that uh, Daniel didn't stand out in a defying way. He didn't stand out in a demanding way. He stood out with humility. And we can see that he had humility as he's making these requests, as he's navigating through this. Sometimes we as Christ followers, uh, you know, and, and you may, you know, this may be just semantics. Instead of uh, standing out, we stand up. And when we stand up, we shake our fists and we, we pick it and we say, no, 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 we're not doing this. We're not doing There's no humility there. And we wonder why people aren't responsive to us because there's, there's almost a defiance rather than a humility. In Daniel 9 through uh, verses 9 through 10, we see that he's talking to the official and the official's very nervous. He says, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? Then the king would have my head because of you. You see, this official is not uh, just blowing smoke. He's not like, I don't want to get involved. He, he realizes that huh, his actual life is in danger. So it's a good request. But Daniel continues on with a sense of humility. He's not picketing outside, you know, the kitchen. We won't eat that. You know, he's not doing any of those kinds of things. Uh, this is what he says. He says he uses the word, please, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of young men who eat the royal food and treat your servant in the accordance with what you see. That word, please, please, there's, there's humility. When you and I find ourselves in those situations where we're being asked to conform and, and we say, well, that doesn't fit right with my conscience. Make sure it's your conscience. Make sure it's a, a, a thing that God's leading you. It's just not a preference. But when it's, when it's inside your heart, having, having some humility as you bring up your uh, concern. So the official agreed to, to this and tested them for 10 days. And in this case, at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the other young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink, 
and gave them vegetables instead. And then we see in the last couple verses that when the king finally uh, meets with them, when it all kind of comes together, uh, these guys just are shining. They're shining. You see, they, they, they stood out. They, they stood out, and uh, that made a difference rather than just standing up and, and shaking their fists. You know, this whole idea of humility and, and politeness and gentleness and all of that uh, comes up with James. Uh, God, he says, God resists you when you're proud. Not just proud to him, but you just have a sense of pride. But continue, pours out grace when you're humble. And I think we see Daniel being able to stand up under this pressure to conform because of, of, his, of his humility, because of his graciousness. He, he, he's not trying to be uh, just miserable about this. I like what Rick Warren says. Uh, Rick Warren has uh, some ideas about how to have humility. He says, you're never persuasive when you're abrasive. If you ever listen to, uh, listen to Rick Warren, read some of his stuff, he always has these, you know, uh, be humble and don't stumble, you know, all these kinds of things like that. And it's like, wow. But, uh, but this idea, again, if you're going to be humble, if you're going to try to uh, stand out in some of these areas, uh, you need to figure out, I shouldn't be abrasive. I shouldn't be demanding. I I'm making a request. Uh, and, and, you know, and it rises and falls sometimes in that. I like this little commercial that's been getting a lot of airtime lately. Mom, Dad, hi. I had a very minor uh, fender bender tonight in an unreasonably narrow fast food drive through lane. But what a powerful life lesson. And don't worry, I have everything handled. I already spoke to our Allstate agent, and I know that we have accident forgiveness, which is so smart on your guys' part. Like, the fact that they'll just forgive you. Four weeks without the car. Okay, yep, good night. How you approach kind of leads into this. The first idea here is that uh, you need to develop a reputation for being responsible. Develop a reputation for being responsible. What do, what do people think about when they think about you and your work ethic? What do they think about? What do people think about when they think about the way you navigate around them? Do, do they find that you are responsible or not? Sometimes we as Christians uh, aren't as responsible as we ought to be. Sometimes we're not, uh, in a sense, the, the cream of the crop in the way we approach our work. We're, we slack off a little bit. And when that kind of gets known in the places we work, and then all of a sudden we come through with, hey, I, I can't do this because of my conscience, they're like, yeah, right. Why, 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 why am I going to even listen to you? You're, you're a slacker. You don't, you don't even work hard here. You're not responsible. You see, if you and I are going to be able to stand up under some of these, uh, the pressure to conform, those around us, when there's something that's just out of sync and we, we, we're, we're not comfortable with it, at least we get a little different hearing if they know we're responsible with the way we function. Proverbs says, if you do your job well, leaders will notice, and you will serve before kings. And that's what happens to Daniel and his friends. Uh, they do their job well. They engage in learning what they need to learn, and the leaders notice, and he ends up serving before kings. 
So if you have an issue, if you have a, a something going on in your life and you're going to approach it with, with hum, humility, uh, you need to have a reputation for being responsible or you're going to get laughed out of your boss's office or you're going to get laughed out of your teacher's office or you're going to get not, not laughed out of my office, but like, oh, really, did you ever, you know, where, 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 where's, where's there some discipline in your life? What, 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 are, you, what are you doing? So we, we need to develop this kind of reputation. People with responsibility respond to responsible people. People with responsibility respond to responsibility, responsible people. It's just, it's just a, it's a given. It's a freebie. Um, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just obvious. Also, we need to be humble and not belligerent. Humble and not belligerent. When you stand before the king, don't try to impress him and pretend to be important. You know, getting into these kinds of conversations and saying, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm drawing a line in the sand. I, I'm, you know, I'm all, you know, and just being belligerent. That usually doesn't cause someone to even listen. You back someone into a corner, and what do they usually do? They come out of the corner fighting, swinging. I mean, this, this in a sense, is, it's common sense. So when you and I feel the pressure to conform, and there's, there's a concern, and we want to approach that person. Uh, being humble and not being belligerent is it, it's just it's so important because at, uh, attitude determines acceptance. And our attitude, our walking in, uh, again, Daniel says the word please. He doesn't demand, he doesn't say, this is, you know, pagan food and blah, 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 blah. He, he, he doesn't, he just please. See, it changes everything. Um, also, and it, may, it should be obvious to us, but uh, don't be deceptive or manipulative. Or manipulative. Um, you know, sometimes uh, we come into these situations and we're, we're giving half the information, we give half the story, uh, we're, not, we're not being genuine and all of that kind of thing, and it's not going to go anywhere. It re really isn't. Paul writes, we reject all shameful and underhanded methods. We do not try to trick anyone, and we do not distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God, and, we are, and, and all who are honest know that. This idea of, you know, not, not again, not playing games. Sometimes again, in conversations, uh, uh, you know, we tried try to teach our kids this earlier on, and then other folks, you know, that they, they kind of start building their case, but they, but they leave out this piece. And, and and they leave it out by design because it's it's a it, it it's a weakness to their to their their position, and uh, then you find that out. And even if their position had some credibility, when you figure out that they've been trying to kind of manipulate you, deceive you a little, mislead you a little, then kind of like all all deals are off. You're like you're, you they shut down, and, and and why wouldn't they? And so again. Daniel is forthright. He's, he's clear. He's not trying to play games. He's, he's just pleased, and he's not manipulating. Also, uh, when we're in these kinds of situations, uh, appeal to their goals and their interests. Uh, for Daniel, it was all about the king wants us to be healthy. The king wants us to be available for service the best we can be. And so, so Daniel does that. They, they have a common, common, common working ground, a baseline. And so the, the, the people respond differently. I want to be healthy. You want me to be healthy. I want to be a good service. And so it all fits together. Uh, you're, you're, you're traveling in the same way they're traveling. 
Also, we need to have the idea of choosing the right place, time, and words. Uh, that son coming into his parents' bedroom, maybe, maybe, maybe good words, uh, maybe the wrong time, the wrong place. Uh, you know, we've got to ask ourselves, when we do have these, these, these I want to say confrontations, but they shouldn't be confrontations, when we do have these clarity moments where we're trying to bring clarity to a situation, uh, what place do we do that? Do we do it in a place where it shames the person we're making the request? Or do we, or do, we do it in such a way that we're not, again, backing them into a corner? Uh, the place to me would always be private. You always talk to the person privately. You don't want to come up in a staff meeting. You don't want to come up in a meeting where you, you put everybody on their heels. And now the person making the decision you know, has to, can't lose face, has to be strong and all of this, and, and you've made it so they're not even listening because the place was wrong. So when you and I are going to be trying to be humble, we need to make sure the place is right, the timing is right. Uh, I've shared this before. When, when I would have conversations uh, with my kids, and usually it wasn't because I was requesting something, I was trying to speak into their life, I knew how they were wired, and I knew one, it was better for before bed, one was better right in the moment, and one was kind of like up for grabs. But, but I knew that if, I, if the one that always would like to reflect on it as she was going to sleep, if I talked to her in the moment, she couldn't handle it. The emotion of the moment, the difficulty of the moment, that wasn't the right time. Before bed was the right time. That wouldn't be the right time for me because then I wouldn't be able to go to sleep. But for her, that, that was the best time for her. So, so knowing the right time and obviously using, using wise words. And this is, a, this is a sign of being mature. A wise, mature person is known for his understanding. The more pleasant his words, the more persuasive he is. And then lastly, what happens if you are in one of these situations? What happens if you're in one of these situations and the person isn't responsive? I, you know, we don't have the, the rest of the story. What if, what if the official had said to Daniel, sorry, you're eating this food? Don't know what would have happened. We'd be guessing to say what would have happened. Uh, we know in other situations where there's a line, uh, you know, his free friends stick with it. We'll be talking about that later. But in this situation, we don't know what would happen. But then when that does happen, we need to trust God if they reject our appeal. We need, to, we need to trust him. We need to realize that he has a hand in all of this. Very familiar passage for many of us says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. doesn't make you make them easy, but, but he'll bring, bring clarity to you. And, and sometimes I've been in situations where, where I've had an appeal and I've had a talk with somebody. I remember one time I was working with someone and uh, I was in, it was in between, uh, it was uh, in college years and uh, they wanted me to do some things that were dishonest. Uh, he was the owner of the company. Uh, he wanted me to be dishonest. He wanted me to uh, you know, misrepresent some things. And, and, I, and I, I, I nicely, you know, basically these things, so I, I just can't do that. And uh, in that case, he came unhinged. He didn't, he didn't like a 21-year-old a kid telling him how to run his company. And uh, he, he was pretty, pretty rough with me. And, uh, you know, I continued to be respectful. I didn't say, well, you're the biggest liar, cheat. You know, I didn't, you know, I didn't say, I just, you know, th this is just the way I see it. Uh, I, I just, I can't be a part of that kind of behavior, kind of action. And so uh, what I had to do in that case, and I had to leave the company. I actually had to, had to quit my job. I had to say, well, I, I, can't, I can't work for you anymore if this is what you're going to ask me to do because I can't do it. 
and uh, that, you know, that, that's, that's not the fun end of the story. Didn't go like, yeah, I like, I like how you're being honest. Here's a raise. You know, that didn't happen that way. <laughs> Here's the door. But, uh, you know, um, but, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it, that's what takes place. So, Daniel, Daniel, Daniel. He, the king talked with him and the other uh, three friends of his that uh, went on this food uh, plan three years later. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned him, uh, he found them ten times better than all the magicians, all the enchanters in the whole kingdom. So it's interesting. Uh, he stays he, he stands um, out and is outstanding because of that. Uh, don't go quickly. I've got one more comment here with the bottom line. So we have to understand, we have to ask ourselves when we're in the situation of conforming and pressure, are we, are we standing back? Are we, are we blending in? Uh, Daniel doesn't do that. Uh, we're, we're not to do that. As a Christ follower, you don't just stand back and blend in. But I'm also going to say, you don't stand up and shake your fist and, in a sense, get cut off. You don't, you don't pick it. You don't, you're not obstinate. You're not, you're not that kind of person either. Uh, I think you're the kind of person that stands out. And then when you stand out, you, you make a difference. And that's what Daniel did. Again, Daniel didn't shake his fist. He didn't do any of that. He didn't stand up in a defiant way. But he did stand out. And you see, an outstanding life always stands out. And that's why, that's why we're looking at Daniel's life right now, because he was outstanding, because he stood out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just, uh, again, thank you for the life of Daniel. And Lord, we just uh, ask that you would even right now just be speaking to our hearts, uh, asking us to look into the situations we're facing. Some of us are under immense pressure to conform. Uh, some of uh, the places we're being asked to conform it's just personality, and, and, and we got to kind of go along with that. But there are places where we're asked to conform that it is, it's just, it's out of sync with you, and the pressure's heavy. And Lord, we just ask that you would help us to be able to walk the fine line, navigate so that, so that we're, not, we're not blending in, we're not standing up, but we're, we're standing out in a way that helps our lives, whether it's in a positive, positive uh, outcome, or sometimes not so positive, uh, that we can make a difference. So, Lord, I just ask that you would help us to uh, walk in that way. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.